grateful to you for what you're doing in our lives, in our individual families, and in our church family. We accept your invitation, Lord, to just to continue to move with you, to walk in, in the unique calling and the, the specific areas of uniqueness that you've called this, this church family to. Lord, we're excited about all the changes and the transitions that are happening, even though some of them are scary or, or uncomfortable. We say yes to you because we trust that you are taking us into something, a new thing that you have for us. And so we say yes to you. And Lord, we open our hearts to you, to your kingdom. Our heart and our passion is to serve your kingdom, fathers, to see your kingdom manifest in our daily lives, our homes, our houses, our jobs, this community. And so, Holy Spirit, we just give you permission just to minister to our hearts, to challenge and encourage us, to inspire us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to take the, the rest of our time we have together just to share some things. Basically, I'm going to be sharing some things from my heart and be talking about our vision, who we are, what we're about here at NCF. Now, this is something we'll be doing also at the, at the new members fellowship lunch afterwards, but I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share this with the whole body. Um, sometimes, you know, what we do things different around here, and, and you may wonder, why do you do that? Why is your worship this way? Why is it so long? And, and so I just want to talk about a few things. First of all, first of all, why do we exist? We exist to love and to know God and to make him known. You know, in the Bible, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, and strength. To love God with every fiber of your being. And that's, that's a commandment from, from the Lord, and he's inviting us. He gives us the grace and invites us into knowing God with our whole hearts. You know, Jesus says in John seventeen three, he says, this is what eternal life is. We think eternal life is experienced when we die and go to heaven. That's a continuation of eternal life with the Father, but it starts the moment you're born again. The moment you're born again, that's when eternal life starts. And Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So our purpose is to know God fully, and then to make him known to the people we come in contact with. That's our purpose, to know him fully and to make him known to others. Remember when Jesus said, when, as Jesus was walking the earth, and he would come across these men and he would say, follow me. You remember that? They'd be in the middle of fishing with their dad or they'd be sitting at a, um, collecting taxes, being tax collectors. And Jesus would say, follow me. And they would. They would either follow him or some would make excuses. Well, let me go bury my family first or let me, I just bought some, a field, I need to go do this and that. You know, some people make excuses when Jesus says, follow me. Some people make excuses because they have other things, they have other priorities. What is your priority? When Jesus says, follow me, are you the one that drops the nets and says yes and follows him? Or are you the one that makes excuses And when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, follow me and I will make you. So it's not just, hey, follow me, I'm lonely and I, I need some guys to hang out with me. 
Now he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the purpose of following Jesus is to allow him to transition us and transform us into something, basically becoming like him. And that means if we're allowing him to change us, then we're going to become fishers of men. We're going to be people that attract people to the Father and for his kingdom. Because remember, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's what we're about here, to love and know God and to make him known. Our passion is to effectively disciple and equip the saints to radically impact the world around them. You know, I've heard this question, and I want to ask you, I I want to pose it today. If NCF were to close its doors and to be totally shut down, all of a sudden next Sunday, doors were closed and this church was done, would it have an impact on our community? Would they even notice? Would they miss us? I believe that every church in this community that is of God, that preaches the gospel, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, the truth, every church that belongs to him, if they were to shut down, they should be missed. There should become a a big hole, a big vacuum where they were. Unfortunately, that's not the case in a lot of situations. And I think one reason is because the the church becomes an entity into itself. You know, it's all about serving us. And remember, Jesus says, when he says, follow me, it's not just, he's not saying follow me so we can have a little club and we can hang out and, and, and be nice to each other and that kind of thing. But it's, there's an end goal in mind. Follow me so I can make you into fishers of men so you can draw men to the Father. The ministry of reconciliation. God is calling this church and the other ones as well, but we're talking about this one here. He's called us to make an impact on this community. He's called us to love the people out there. And if we as a body, if we're loving the community well and we're making an impact like he's called us to, then if something were to happen and we were to disappear or shut down, then we would be noticed. Hopefully they would grieve. And that's what he's wanting. He's wanting us to be a force to be reckoned with, a force of love, making a a powerful impact in this community. So our passion is to effectively disciple and equip the saints to radically impact our world around them. You know, our interest is not in just being a social club. Many churches can become social clubs. They they can become nice, nice entities that do good things, do nice things, but you don't have to be you don't even have to have the Holy Spirit to do that. I mean, there are organizations out there that do wonderful things for the community. They provide fellowship. They provide, you know, toys for kids, uh, underprivileged kids. They provide food for the hungry. They do all these wonderful things. And I just had this thought go through my mind. Some of these organizations that have nothing to do with God, if they were to disappear, they would be missed. Because one thing that they are doing is they're loving our community. So our desire is not to come up and, and be a, a, uh, a social organization or a social club. 
but he's called us to be effective disciples of his kingdom. So there's some things that we're, as we're moving forward, we're going to be doing uh, to be intentional about these things. And one of them is we're going to provide opportunities for connection and relationship for the purpose of effective lifestyle discipleship. In other words, we're going to be, be more intentional. There are things that, have, that, have, that we've started. For example, we have the young adult ministry. That's the college age ministry that has, has recently started back up. Part of the purpose is for them to, be, to have a place to come and connect to, to encourage one another, but also the other part of the purpose is for them to become radical disciples of Jesus Christ. If it just becomes about them coming on a Sunday night and hanging out and having a good time, and that's all it is, then they've missed the purpose of that ministry. Them coming and having a great time on Sunday night is part of, it's part of the fuller picture. Amen? So we're, we're starting things. We have the young adults ministry. We have the 60-plus saints ministry. Again, another place for people to come and connect. We believe, you know, in, in America, if, in the churches, if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you believe in discipleship, you know, everybody would believe in discipleship. If you ask, what is discipleship? Then you have all kinds of different opinions on what discipleship is. Unfortunately, I, I believe that we're not doing something right in America because the church is not as strong as it's supposed to be. And in America, I believe that a lot of our discipleship, or most of it, or in some places even all of discipleship, is relegated to information. I know all this Bible knowledge, therefore I'm, I'm discipled, I'm being discipled. I go to a Bible study, I'm getting, gaining this knowledge, I know all this stuff, I can quote the books of the Bible, I can quote many of the passages, I can tell you all these theological doctrines. And we equate information with discipleship. And because this is a huge information age, a huge information time, we have access to every teaching under the sun. All these powerful, wonderful ministries, there's nothing wrong with them. You know, we have podcasts and we have internet and we have all this stuff at our, you know, that available to us. And we think that because we know this information, I'm being discipled. And that's why you have a lot of Christians who are, and a churches that are ineffective. We have information. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. So what happens is we become arrogant. We can become arrogant and prideful thinking, I know all this stuff. And see, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they knew all about God. If you had any theological questions, ask them. They would give you some answers. But when it came to knowing Jesus, did they? Well, they killed him. The one that they were looking for and waiting for and they knew all about, when he came and was in their face, they killed him. They didn't even recognize God when he came. So they knew all about God, but they missed the very one that wanted to have relationship with him. And we can do the same thing. We can know all this stuff, but miss the very heart of what God is calling us to do. I believe the model of discipleship that Jesus the, the mode of discipleship that Jesus modeled was relationship. He invited these men into relationship. He said, follow me and I will make you. In other words, as we're hanging out together, as we're spending time together, you're going to learn from me. You're going to learn some things of me. And then what happened? There were times that Jesus taught the disciples. 
But maybe most of it, probably most of it, a lot of it was him demonstrating and showing them what it means to be a son and daughter of the kingdom. And he showed them, he showed them, he modeled, he displayed. And then what happened when he went up to heaven, when he was gone, those ones that he poured his heart into, his life into, they turned the world upside down. And it wasn't through all the information that they had. It was through the power of the kingdom that began to flow through them just like it did through Jesus. Amen? And that's what he wants through us. He doesn't want people that have all this knowledge. He wants sons and daughters who are full of the Holy Spirit, full of love, and can and will impact people's lives when they need an answer, when they need hope. And that's what you and I are called to do and called to be, people of hope. So we provided, you started young adults, senior saints. We'll be talking more about this later, but we're, we're in the process of developing family structure. You know, if you've been in, in church for a minute or two, we've all been involved in small group ministry. You know, home groups, life groups, covenant groups, whatever kind of groups, connection groups, we've all been a part of that. And it's, that's a very good thing. It's a very great thing. I believe why those things are so effective is because that's when people have the opportunity to connect and share life, share hearts, share experiences, and that's when, I believe that's where true discipleship happens. And we've done all those things. We've done covenant groups. We've done home groups over the years. G12, we tried, well, anyway, all these different things. And what we're doing now as leadership is we're saying, Father, what do you have specifically for this house? And so we know he has something, but we don't think it's going to look like our normal covenant groups or life groups. Even though those are good, there's nothing wrong with them. But we're asking him, what do you have for NCF? What do you have for us? And that's what we're seeking and asking, and we believe he's giving us those answers as we, as we ask him. So we're going to be providing intentional opportunities for you to connect with people because we believe that in that connection of relationship is where you're going to learn and you're going to grow. You know in the Bible when it says you older women teach younger women, dot, dot, dot. Older men teach younger men, dot, dot, dot. Basically it's, it's experience, life experience, wisdom. Teach and share that experience with the younger ones. Well, if the younger ones aren't, hanging out with any older ones, then guess what they're going to miss out on? And the one thing I want to make clear is when we develop these families and whatever they look like, they're going to be something for everyone involved. It's not going to be, okay, we got the senior saints out doing their own thing and we have the young adults doing their own thing and now we're going to do something for everybody else. I feel like the Lord wanted to intentionally establish those particular ministries, but also they're going to be involved and invited into the family mix as well. Because we believe here in intergenerational relationship. I mean, if you look at real families, it's not just the grandparents hang out in one place and then the little kids hang out in another place. That'd be kind of disastrous, wouldn't it? But we all mix and mingle and we learn from, from one another. So we are going to be bringing in more connection opportunities for people. You know, the number one need, according to uh, studies, the number one need of every human being is to belong. 
the number one need. And you know what the number one problem? Loneliness. The number one problem in our, in our community as far as America, because I don't know about the world, number one problem is loneliness. The number one need is to belong. And I think Jesus was trying to address that through discipleship. If we would come into relationship with one another in the body and learn to do it the way he's showing us how, I believe you eradicate the problems of loneliness. I'm not saying loneliness goes away when you're hanging out with people. That's not what I'm saying. Because sometimes that's when you can experience the most loneliness is when you're with a group of people. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm not talking about that. But when you're with a group of people of like-mindedness and like hearts, you have an opportunity for connection that can be life-transforming. So the first thing is we're going to provide opportunities for connection. Number two, we've talked about this for years. We've gone over it over and over because uh, those of you who've been around for a while know that we do not have any formal membership here at NCF. So people come to their church and say, hey, I want to join your church. I say, well, just come on. Keep coming. (laughs) How do I join your church? Keep coming. We haven't had any formal membership ever. And then we decided that we were going to try to incorporate that. And we talked about it. And we worked on it for years. And then when it was, came time to implement it, for some reason I kept dragging my feet, but I didn't know why. I thought it was my lack of organizational skills that I used to have. See, my declaration has changed. And I didn't know why. Well, then recently started talking to the leadership again. I'm like, guys, what's with this membership? Aren't we going to do this or not? Are we doing this or not? Everybody said, Not. It's like, I like that answer. And here's why we're not going to, we thought we were going to introduce a more formal membership, but we decided we're not going to, mainly because it does not line up with the culture here at NCF. Now, I'm not saying that when you go to other churches or other churches, membership is wrong. Please don't, I'm not saying that, that it's evil and they need to repent. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying here in this location, this family, we do not have formal membership. Well, you say, well, how do I join? Keep coming. Here's how, you, here's how you join New Covenant Fellowship. You come. If you feel like this is the place where God is wanting to plant you, let me know. You say, hey, Pastor CJ, I believe God is wanting me and my family to land here. Talked with a family recently. We desire to land here. All right, put the wheels down. Let's go. And they're landing here. And then the second thing is, is get into relationship. Reach out and rela- connect with people. Be intentional in relationship. And you can do that by participating in the opportunities that we have. But relationship. And then the third thing is to serve. Say, so I want to serve my family. Well, then find out how you can do that and just begin to do that. So as far as any formal membership, every time I kept thinking through that process and thinking what that looks like and who would qualify as a member, who was, it just caused chaos and confusion in my brain. Like, this, isn't, this is not of God. Then I realized after talking to the leaders, I was right. This isn't what the Lord has for us. So even though we've talked about it, we are not offering any formal membership here at NCF. And one thing we would like to add If you feel God's wanting you to land here and become a member, become a part of the family, then talk to me about that. 
and let us have that conversation. And if you've been coming here less than a year, if you would like to, we would love, I'd love to introduce you, your family, to the church family. So it's like you said, I want to be a member, and you started coming, and then I said, hey, guys, this is so-and-so, and, and then you introduce your, your wife, your kids, or, or whoever, and then the family knows, okay, this is the, the Smith family, boom, and we all can get to know them. Okay, does that make sense? All right. Some things that are coming up, I want to encourage you to save the dates. We have some opportunities coming our way. One, Lisa mentioned a conference that's going to be coming up October 27, 28, and 29. October 27th, 28th, and 29th. We have a conference for our church family that's going to be amazing. I believe it's going to be one of those events that's going to bring a shift into this house, a shift that God's wanting to do. I'm not, we're intentionally not telling you a lot about it because we want to do that in a more effective way than me just telling you things, but uh, we will be advertising. You will know all about. But the dates are October 27th through 29th. Also, before then, we have Bill and Tammy Woods coming on September 17th. And they'll be ministering Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Sunday morning and Sunday evening. So mark the dates for that, September 17th, and then October 27th, 28th, and 29th. Another change we're going to be doing, and and. All these changes and the things that we're implementing is for the practical sake of being more effective in, in discipleship. Okay? So all these things we're doing is to bring equipping to this house. One thing we're going to be doing that's going to be a big change, I need you all to pray for me, for, I need grace for this, is starting September 24th. We were going to start September 10th, but with Bill and Tammy coming on the 17th, we want to wait till after that to start so it's not a lot of confusion. Because when Bill and Tammy come here, we want them to have the time that, that the Holy Spirit wants them to have, okay? Starting September 24th, Sunday, we're going to be shortening the service, the Sunday morning service, 30 minutes. So it will be from 10 to 1130, church service, from 10 to 1130. I know some of you inside are probably going, but you're like, if I clap, will that be bad? Will he be mad at me? <laughs> So, and, and there are practical reasons for that. One, we want to be more efficient with our time. We want our services to be more, um, just more practical, more impacting. And I've noticed this, and, and it's just the way things are. And it's not necessarily a negative thing. I mean, it can, it can be perceived that way. But our attention span has decreased. And the reason why, I think, this is my theory, is because of the technology that we're used to, it has affected our, our soul. I mean, it has. It just, it just has. Now, we can either um, say, okay, this is where people are. This is where we are. And we're just going to roll with that because we do not want our Sunday morning to be an enduring service where you're enduring and you're propping my lids open and, and you're just suffering through. It can be that sometimes. But we, so we want to cut things a little shorter to be more effective with our time. I would rather you come back wanting more than leaving with too much. Like, I don't know if I want to come back. I'm tired. You know, that kind of thing. So starting September 24th, we will shorten the service, and it will be from 10 to 1130. Okay? Now, here's what I'm going to need your help with. Now, right now, we have a wonderful ministry called our Hospitality Ministry, uh, headed up, head up by the Peters, and they're the ones that are responsible for providing all these wonderful refreshments, coffee and refreshments before church from um, before church, whenever it is. And the purpose of that is to offer an opportunity for people to come, connect, fellowship, 
enjoy good coffee, enjoy good snacks, and that kind of thing. However, what can happen is, is you get excited and, and used to fellowshipping and hanging out that when church starts at 10 o'clock, you're still hanging out there enjoying your coffee and your, and your donuts or, or whatever. And so we're, because we're changing things up and we want to be very efficient with our hour and a half, I'm going to need your help by when 10 o'clock comes, we want everybody to be in here, okay? Now, we're going to do things in a practical way of shortening, you know, starting the, the fellowship time out there from 9.30 to 9.50. And then so we can transition that next 10 minutes and we can come in here so we can get everything that the Lord has for us in our hour and a half inside the service. Does that make sense? Now, for that to work, we're definitely going to have to work together on that. I don't want to have to run out in the hall and say, church is starting, get in there now. That doesn't sound too inspiring, so I'd rather not, rather not do that. Or I can flick the lights, you know. That's what we used to do, flick the lights on and off. And then people just look at you. You okay, CJ? Oh, yeah, I'm good. So, real quick, purpose of our church service. You know, when you ask people, why, what's the point of church? Why do we go to church on Sunday? And I believe there are three answers, three purposes that the Lord has given us here. Now, there may be 20 more, but I'm just going to talk about three. The first purpose for church, because sometimes when, if you've stayed up late Saturday night and you've got to get up Sunday morning, it's like, why am I getting up out of bed to go across town, to go into that building and sing songs and listen to sermon when I got podcast on my phone, I got worship music on my iPod, you know, why do I need to do that? Three reasons why I believe it's important to come to church. And first of all, because the Bible says so. I'm going to read out of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Or it says in other translations, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So right here it's saying, let us motivate one another and let us think of ways to inspire each other to love and good works. So one of the reasons why we come to church, or I believe the purpose of church, is for us to encourage one another. And so if you would look at, okay, why am I going to get up out of this bed and go to church this morning? Because there may be someone or someones that the Lord wants you to encourage. It's not about you just coming to church to see who can encourage you. But it's, Lord, I want to make myself available in case you have somebody that needs my encouragement. I'm going. Plain and simple. So you can look for people to encourage and bless and build up and motivate. Number two, I believe it's important for us to come to honor, celebrate, and worship the Father through heartfelt and vibrant worship. I believe when we, you know, we can worship God by ourselves. As a matter of fact, that should be our habit, and we should be doing that more than worshiping on one time corporately. So lifestyle worship is a given. But I believe there's something about that honors the Father, that blesses and pleases Him when we come together as His children. We come together in pockets and we worship Him together. I believe that, that, that honors Him. And, so, and we believe here that one of the most powerful changes that can happen in your life is in His presence. In his presence. And so we believe that when people come together in his presence, we're worshiping him, honoring him, that a lot of change can happen that will not happen anywhere else. Worship is one of our core values. It's one of our core beliefs, and we're very passionate about it. 
and we believe it's very important. So, coming to church to worship the Father together and also to encourage and bless one another. And the third thing is to come to be equipped. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 out of the New, Translation, New Living Translation says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. That's, a part of, that's the problem of the church today. We're still immature um, in many respects. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every mo- way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Two things out of there. God has given gifts to the church, fivefold ministry, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and whatever else I'm forgetting. He gave fivefold ministry leaders to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The fivefold ministry, their job is not to do the work of the ministry, if you think about it. But their calling, their gifting is to equip the saints for the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so Sunday morning should be an equipping time, an encouraging time. We encourage one another, a time we get to honor and bless the Lord, and a time where we come and be equipped to live an, over, uh, to live an overcoming life, to be equipped for the work of the ministry, and to be equipped to impact our world and the people around us. That's why we come to church. Amen? Our passion is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm going to share one more thing as I close. An an example of equipping. You know, there's a lot of things going on in our society that are negative. There's a lot of racial stuff going on that we're all pretty much aware of. And even though we have not addressed that corporately together, that issue, the racial stuff, we definitely plan to. As leaders, we've been talking about this, we've been praying, and we're asking the Father, Lord, what do you want us to do here at NCF to address this situation? You know, there's wisdom that the world has. There's a wisdom that seems right. There's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. There's a wisdom that's full of anger and bitterness and resentment and jealousy and strife and, and all that kind of stuff. But then there's a wisdom that comes from above, full of peace and joy and all these good things that the Father wants us to have. And what I see happening a lot is when we're addressing or when our nation or people are addressing this racial tension, we're bringing the world's wisdom into that situation and thinking it's going to fix it. And you see how that's working out. And unintentionally, you can even see on Facebook, when you see Christian people dealing with this, it turns into strife and name-calling and people getting mad and, and being polarized and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's not working. 
It's not working. And so the last thing we're going to do is deal with the situation and invite you into it and deal with and bring the world's wisdom into that and say, okay, we're expecting God to do something wonderful. This has been on my heart for quite some time. I've been thinking about it a lot. And I see all that's going on out there. You know, the other night, Lisa and I, she was watching this and I watched it with her. It was, um, some do- it was a documentary on TV dealt with race rights and all that kind of stuff. And it just shows you all the stuff that's going on, the turmoil, the pain and everything. That's real. That's happening out there. And people's hearts are full of all kinds of stuff. I believe our father has an answer for us. As I was talking to the father about this, he said, son, I'm not asking you, your, your job or your responsibility is not to fix that out there. Our job as leaders is to equip the saints is to equip you. How do you and I walk in the midst of the chaos that's out there? How do we walk in such a way that if God's wanting to invite us into, to be a part of the solution, that we can actually be a part of the solution and not contribute to the problem? Because see, people get passionate about some of these things, and then they go out there and try to address them and, and bring healing And it backfires on them because they have so many things going on in their soul and their heart that they ended up getting all hooked and and all messed up and angry and bitter and they become victim to that that chaos. I mean, does anybody understand what I'm talking about? So I want to let you know that we're not being, as leaders, we're not being passive on this issue and we're not neglecting or ignoring it. We're asking the Father intentionally, Lord, what do we do? How do you want us to address this? And in the near future, we're going to invite you into an equipping opportunity. We good with that? All right, let's stand together. Father, we just thank you that that you're so wonderful and you're so full of hope. And we get to be full of hope because of our relationship with you. Thank you for this time that we had together to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be strengthened. And Lord, I just speak your blessing on everyone here, every family represented. Just your blessing of encouragement, your blessing of grace as as different families and different people are going through transition right now. Whether people are moving or changing jobs or, or ministries or whatever the case may be, I thank you for your grace that you're providing for everyone. And I thank you for peace for everyone who is in and who lives or, or works in an, a hostile environment every day. I thank you for your grace and your peace inside of them that would even have more influence on their soul than the hostility around them. We thank you that you're good. And we thank you that you invite us to partner with you to spread your joy and your hope in this community. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a wonderful afternoon and week, and we'll see you guys next time. Young adult, 6 o'clock tonight.